Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. This week, we are going to continue our conversation on the rebel model with the other E, exposure. But we're going to break this one into two episodes because when we talk about exposure, we're talking about two things, exposure to time and exposure to different experiences. Today, we're going to take the time element. And Cam, if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with a very recent client example that sort of highlights the challenges that those of us with ADHD have with time. Is that all right? Sounds great. So this client works from home, has been looking for more productivity at work, and also more productivity around studying for an important certification for the role that he's in. And in discussing where his time goes, we realized that there are rabbit holes that he goes down relative to his hobbies, to the things that really interest him. And the particular conversation we were having was around internet behavior. So he would go out to hobby-based internet forums, places where he could discuss whatever it was he was working on at the time with other people. And this became a really fascinating topic for a number of reasons, because we discovered it wasn't just one element of time blindness here or lack of awareness of time. It was several. So the first challenge that we solved for was this place he would come to that he called Scatterbrain. So he would start off with the best intentions. I just want to check the discussions that I'm participating in, see what people have said, formulate responses. And somehow he would end up in an internet black hole where he's now scrolling websites without reading or really even paying attention to what he's looking at and where he struggles to gather his thoughts back together to redirect his attention. So that solve was about setting intention before he opened a browser window, sort of distinguishing between this fun browsing and this scatterbrain place and learning to catch himself before he got to scatterbrain. Okay. So you would think that that would have solved the challenge, but as he was looking toward making time to study for this certification, he was recognizing that he was still spending too much time browsing. So then he noticed a second behavior. When he left an open loop, meaning he participated in a conversation or started a conversation, that became something that would sprinkle in and permeate the rest of his day because he was consistently checking back to see what people had said, who had added to the discussion to continue to add to the discussion himself. And this wasn't a behavior he recognized until we really broke it out. But once we broke it out, he realized that by leaving those open loops, I am stealing a lot of time from my day. I just didn't recognize it because it's happening in these smaller increments. So for this period of time, where he's on a bit of a time crunch in terms of studying for the particular class he's in, there is a hard deadline. And he's going out of town after this hard deadline. So there's also incentive to have this wrapped up before he leaves. He realized, I can't devote this time right now because this is the place that I can borrow time from. I can't borrow time from work. 
I can't borrow time from my self-care. I would prefer not to, but I can borrow time from these open loops that are fun and engaging in the moment, but really don't have a long-term purpose. So I just found this client scenario so interesting because it was so multi-layered. Something like internet behavior and rabbit holes and time wasters, we tend to look at as a singular topic, but there was so much nuance for this client and so much having to build awareness about where his time was going to really see that bigger picture. And it started with one behavior change that created some awareness about what the next behavior change needed to look like. Mm, I love that story. I love that on so many different levels. And what a great opening here around exposure of rebel. You know, the fascinating thing, just to back out from, this is this ADHD distinguisher, is that it's so hard for us to see behaviors, to notice behaviors. It's so difficult. And yet, when we pause and take a look, we can start to see it. And it's a unique qualifier for ADHD. This is a unique presentation that we see in ADHD and why coaching is so valuable to have that partner to look at these things. So today we're talking about time, but I just love that whole process, Shelly, because you're methodical with him to go through and just like, okay, let's take a look. Let's take a look at your day and in a way become a time detective. And the language that I'm hearing from you, I imagine it's very comfortable with your client, stealing time, borrowing time. That in a way, it's almost like he's seen it as a commodity, something of value. And so for those of us with ADHD, time is this thing that often is, how can you value something if you don't see it? And we like our little catchy phrases out there in ADD land, time blindness. It's not time blindness. As you said, it's time awareness. And back to interest-based attention system and an interest, the hobbies, the interest, time, that's not something interesting to us. Therefore, it defaults to now, not now, defaults to our one horse pony. And by the way, you're talking about another pony here, right? The little interest pony that kind of will scurry around and drop down a rabbit hole. So I love that because he's doing his Mount Rainier work. There's that behavior. Behaviors are hard for us to see, but if we turn our attention to it, we bring our keen observer and start to notice this thing that is time, you can start to get a sense of what it is, how it passes for you. And recognizing you can start to find those dials, find those levers to set the intention on the front end. Oh, that didn't quite work out. Then it's these open loops. You keep coming back and engaging with it, working it, working that problem. Really love that example and a great lead in to what we're talking about today. Yeah. And what was so interesting in this process is the distinguishing that my client did because the conversation started with fun browsing versus scatterbrain. He wanted to be able to disengage with browsing before that point that it turned from fun somewhat intentional time to now I'm just scrolling and I'm struggling to break my attention or redirect anywhere else, even though I recognize in this moment that I'm not enjoying this and it's not doing anything for me. So when he came back the next week and he was successful there, 
I was a little surprised that he brought the same topic because when he was successful in breaking away before Scatterbrain, that's when he recognized that fun browsing is still something that consumes a lot of his day and a lot of his time. And it's not something he wants to let go of. But at this moment in time, time is a very precious resource for him. And so there was a recognition that right now I need to dial this back. That is the place where I can gain time to study, gain time to do what matters. And in that stepping back is where we were able to get curious and find the thing about open loops. So then the behavior change there was I can still do my fun browsing, but maybe I don't participate. Maybe I don't leave open loops. I just read so that I can still have my time in the morning with my coffee, with my favorite forums, but I'm not leaving those open loops that I know are going to pull me back in again and again. Oh, Shelly, I'm sitting over here with chills because of the work he's doing with you to really navigate above the lunch counter making these connections that he hasn't been making before. In order to have informed choice, you have to have the information. And ADHD throws up a veil there. So you going in and looking at this dilemma that to this moment was not really seen and appreciated time, but to be able to look at it and just explore and figure out how it's not working for him and then finding ways around so he can start to manage his time more effectively. I got to go back to this higher level thing. And then I want to go into my own story here about my clients. But we talk about interest-based attention system. I think that's a great term. I think more at a cognitive level, because what I'm appreciating here is you're working at this cognitive level with him. Some of you out there be like, this sounds like behavior modification or cognitive behavior therapy. Now we're looking at the executive function level here. This is what ADHD coaches do well. This big C coaching of this thing that the executive functioning is struggling with to have time awareness, then place value on that. So first he's starting with awareness and then getting the value and seeing it as this commodity. So back to this cognitive level, interest-based attention system, I really think it's more of a signal-based attention system. It's not as sexy. Interest is like, yeah, it's all about my interests. No, I think it's all about your signals. It's about the hobby, which is an interest, but it's the biggest signal. When we talk about RSD, that's the biggest signal, the pain. When we talk about the novelty, it's the biggest signal in the brain. And with ADHD, it's the inability to inhibit that biggest signal to opt for another option. It's that inhibition to just fall in, and that's the only thing we do. It's the only thing we see. But when we can pause and step back and lean in on our keen observer and start to notice this, then we can do something about it. I want to say people that come to coaching with me They have a lot of ADHD knowledge. Maybe they've been listening to the podcast. But so often, when we start to look at time, there's not a lot of data there. And there's not a lot of data there because time is not one of those strong signals, right? We have a signal based attention system. 
So it's about the next big idea, the next deal, closing that deal, the catastrophe that might happen. And time is this thing that because we don't have that awareness piece above the lunch counter, how it appears below the lunch counter is that now, not now presentation. It's like, yep, that's me now, not now. I identified my Shetland pony along with my ARC pony to go out to recon on projects more than three days out. Well, I had to figure out time and see value of that to pull the Shetland pony out of the stall. It's appreciating, okay, I had that same thing of now, not now with time. It's because I didn't really appreciate it. And then I would go to default of just doing everything by last minute, latest and loudest. So when we start to look at time and see it as something other than this thing that's frustrating, that's the place to begin. Time is time. You're not going to ninja it. You're not going to manage it. It just goes on. But starting to look at it and how it passes for you. I love that example. It's a great example that you have that our listeners can kind of, okay, pay attention to. How do you spend your time? And if you feel shame, notice that that shame or that, ah, geez, I really wasted my time. Remember, above all, that's a signal. It's a strong signal to identify it as a strong signal and give it a little space and come back to time and be a student here to notice it, see how it passes for you. Cam, one thing I want to add to the signal-based attention system, because I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And sometimes the biggest signal can be what we're avoiding. It can be that thing that is looming over us and has our attention. And where we're spending our time is in active avoidance of that thing. Yeah. And so getting to time is such a small signal. It's really hard to do when you've got big signals that you're drawn to, the rabbit hole stuff, the hobby, the research, the shiny object, and then the big signal that you're avoiding at all costs. So it's sort of like we're navigating this terrain. We're making an addition to Mount Rainier as we speak, Shelly, right now. I mean, it's like I'm seeing big signal, I don't know, black holes or something all over Mount Rainier that we're drawn to and repelled by. And with that, it's really hard to notice these more subtle, nuanced signals. Time can be a signal for you. And when we turn our attention to new things, It's going to be a part of next week, exposure to new and different experiences. Then our learning starts to grow. Just as you let in with the client example, he looked at this and kept looking at it and, ah, oh, I see. I see how this is happening. This cause and effect work can be done. But right now it's like, yeah, maybe it starts with the big signal stuff. Kind of like, okay, owning it. Oh my goodness. Understand, own, translate, big signal. There's an episode right there. When we get through Rebel, there's an episode for sure. Cam, I want to throw in the dual limiting beliefs that I think crush ADHD people when it comes to time. Is that okay? Oh, 
Absolutely. And I got more to say about that. I'm thinking people are out there saying, I don't want to have a signal-based attention system. I like interest-based attention system, Cam. And I want to like, just like we did last week, you know, that people are not horses. Mm -hmm. We made that distinction. I want to make this distinction. Yeah. Because it's not either or, it's both. So when we add terminology, it's not that we're saying that our previous terminology isn't valid. It's that there's more to say about it. So Cam, I'm looking forward to that, but I want to throw these in first. The two limiting beliefs that ADHD people have about time, and until you change your perspective on these, you're going to be beating your head against the wall. Number one, there's not enough time. This is a belief I see over and over again with my clients. There's not enough time, especially self-employed clients, freelancers, entrepreneurs, because that to-do list is never ending. The landscape of possibilities of things you could take on in your business is never ending. And so there's this belief that I'm never going to be done. There's never enough time. And if I can just catch up, if I can just clear the backlog. Well, that was clean slate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then there will be enough time. And Cam, I'm glad you called back to clean slate because that's the perfect episode to listen to, to hear more about this. Yeah. Number two is I'm bad with time. Every client I've ever had comes to me with the belief that they are bad with time. And as ADHD people out in a neurotypical world, that is the information we are given, that we are bad with time. That is the reaction we get from other people. That is the statements that are made. Even well-meaning people try to help us solve our challenges by prescribing, quote unquote, time management solutions. Right. Those are the statements. And then there's the unsaid messages, right? Yeah. The looks, the frowns. <laughs> you know, Johnson's late again. Yeah. yeah. So I am here to say unequivocally that neither of those things are true. Your relationship with time, listener, is different than most people. But you can have a relationship with time. You can develop your own understanding of how time works. And I want to normalize the fact that that may not necessarily mean quantifying time. And we get so obsessed with measuring and quantifying our time that sometimes we miss the bigger picture. Cam, going back to letting the easy things stay easy, that's a time management strategy in a lot of ways because it takes what would otherwise be big time-consuming tasks if I let them go too long and makes them little non-events that happen in 10 and 15 minute increments throughout my day that don't feel like they affect my available time. And notice I'm using feel language here because for me, time is much more about how it feels than what the quantifiable numbers say. Quantifiable numbers have never been useful for me in terms of time. And listeners, I say this not to say that that should be true for you too, but just to let you know, there are other ways to think about time than numbers, than trying to quantify it, than trying to measure it, than trying to accurately predict how long something's going to take. Those strategies don't work for me, but I've learned to work with what does rather than trying to beat my head against the wall with what does not. Yeah. So you're recognizing how you interrelate with time is through relationship. It's a relationship for you. And so, of course, it's going to be measured around feelings, your feelings about it. And again, quantifiable doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it's not measurable. Your client was measuring in a way 
pulling out his ruler and just assessing, gathering information. And does this work for me? Is this working for my current situation? And recognizing I really don't have the time to set aside to do it this way. So what do I have time for? Setting intention beforehand. Just noticing. We talked about the power of the present moment. And that is so important around exploring time because time is past, present, and future. And so being curious about this present moment right now, what's the opportunity? I love what you said about the limiting beliefs or perspectives that clients bring. And it's very consistent. I don't have enough time and I'm bad with time. I hear that too. It's like accountability. I can't be accountable to myself. And when we say stuff like that, well, what's our first reaction? I'm not going to be curious about that. I'm bad at it. Therefore, I'm just going to leave it alone. So then we're missing an opportunity to explore this area. You can define time on your own terms, listeners. That's what Shelly and I have done. It's what we do with our clients is invite them to define time on their own terms. It starts with exposure to time. To go look at it from a neutral perspective, to be curious, and the tough parts, the difficulty, just take in that data and be careful not to go to a quick judgment of yourself or of others. How does time pass for you? Is it similar to that client that Shelley spoke of? For me, time was something of a, it passed very quickly or very slowly. And it really was dependent on what I was doing. For me, it's dynamic. I mean, literally, just this weekend, Saturday morning, we are going to visit a new dog. And it's all like very procedural. We have a dog. We're going to the SBCA to visit a new dog. And it's like, we got to get the doggies together and make sure that they work. And so we're coordinating cars. We're coordinating children. We're coordinating times. And my wife says, very neurotypical of her, says, don't go on one of your leisurely daddy walks with our dogs that we have. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'm thinking I have oodles of time, ample, ample volumes, like Sargasso Sea volumes of time as I take my dog out. And I'm just going out and going for my nice long walk because it wasn't leisurely. It was a different walk somehow. But I get out there and I'm like looking at my watch and it's like, wait a second, what am I thinking here? I didn't really set my intention on the front side of that. I kind of just went out and did my thing, not thinking about all the different things that we needed to do, put the crate in the car, set up the car for two dogs. <laughs> and like, back, like, I've given myself 10 minutes to do this. And that's not really being a good partner to my wife, to my spouse. And so I just want to say that I haven't figured out this time thing completely. I still have that interest-based attention system or that signal-based attention system. That time is not going to be the big signal or the big interest for me. It's about ideas. It's about relationships. It's about connections. It's about connecting those ideas. And so I got to work hard at this myself. The final thing I want to say is back to this whole idea of interest-based attention system versus signal-based attention system. Interest-based attention system is much more sexy. Don't look at 
our term is like, ah, it doesn't work for me. This is just at this cognitive level. It's not meant to be sexy. It's meant to be accurate that we have a signal-based attention system. You're not just your signal-based attention system. Listeners, you're not just that. You're much more than that. So we're just talking about that attention system and how it can be really locked on to signals, either drawn to them or repelled by them. By the way, Shelly, I'm thinking we just scratched something really big here. We're on to something new and different for us. Yeah, I agree. As we were talking about this earlier in the episode, I was already thinking there's more to say here and certainly future episodes in the making, which is kind of how the show tends to work for us, isn't it? It's happening right now. We're like, we're making the little sausages right now, people. It's happening. Yeah. And if you're, uh, you know, veggie tofu sausages, if you're not into meat. Well, thanks for that, Cam. Uh, Thanks for honoring my little vegetarian heart there. I was talking to the listeners. I was talking to you. Oh, wow. Thanks. (laughs) I'll loop you in. It's so cool that we are here in having these conversations, doing our own learning as we bounce off of each other, expanding our own understanding. Understanding is not a destination. It's a journey. And every week when Cam and I come here and talk ADHD, we are expanding our own understanding of ADHD itself, of our own lived experiences, and of our experiences with our clients. And that's what just happened here. So. Certainly looking forward to future episodes around that topic after next week when we come back and cover the second half of exposure, which is exposure to new experiences. But for today, we'll go ahead and wrap here. If you like what we're doing on the show, the best way you can help us out is to leave a review wherever you listen. You can also financially support the show by becoming a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you supporting the show, you also gain access to our Discord community where you can work with our community members who are all doing their own understand, own translate work using the resource of the community. We also have a Q&A every month on the second Thursday hosted by either Cam or myself. And we do that right in the Discord community as well. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.